Welcome to the Particularly Packers podcast. Listen in as Bob Dog travels around the football universe in hopes of understanding the madness that we love about the league, particularly the Green Bay Packers. The journey begins now. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go, baby. What's up, everybody? Bob Dog checking in with you once again. Oh, man, what's going on in Green Bay, folks? We got to talk about this one. We got to talk about this one. I was actually... Oddly enough, I was getting together an episode for a defensive perspective is what I was going to call it before this Eric Stokes scenario was thrown into the spokes. Uh, definitely stopped our bicycles this morning. Justin Jefferson, Addison, Osborne, I could see him back there just licking their lips now, boy. It's, it's going to be going down this weekend. Thankfully, Kirk Cousins isn't playing. Um, I don't mean that in a disrespectful, thankfully he's hurt type of way. It just means thankfully for our secondary because... Cousins cooks us even when we have our best players out there, man. Cousins is something else. We'll have to see what the rookie hall does this weekend. It's going to be exciting, but that's not the point of this episode. I think I already did like a preview on the game and all that. That's not what I'm focused on right now. Today is basically going to be Conspiracy Theory Saturday. We're going to call it that, man, because it is uh, getting wild as hell over there in this locker room in Green Bay, and it's all on the defensive side of the ball. Offensive side. Like I said, there's been a video going around the internet right now with Aaron Jones like dancing around with the wide receivers as they're coming off the field. I have nothing against um, them dancing around. I'll be honest with you. I'd probably be out there dancing with them. But what I honestly see when I look at that, I don't, I don't see a championship team. And when I say that, I mean um, I don't see like a Belichick-type team. I don't see like a Ray Lewis-type team. I don't see – these are real football players that are out there just dog-dogs. You know what I mean? Um, these guys, that's not what they're doing. You know what I mean? Championship teams, that's not what they're doing. I understand that the younger crowd, that's why I said it's more of an immature thing. It's just them dancing around. I totally get it. They're not focused. When you're focused on that, I mean, you should be focused on your routes, focusing on improving, focusing. But it's just a different vibe. I totally get it. We have a very young head coach. This is a whole vibe chemistry thing that I've been speaking about the whole time. Um, with uh, Jahir Alexander, for example, he would not have made it back to the lock, uh, made it back to the sidelines to play that game last weekend um, on a Belichick team, for example, Bill Belichick would have said, get your ass back in the locker room. We don't even need you. You know what I mean? You pull a stunt like that, that leadership's going to be dealt swiftly. It's going to be dealt with on the sideline. They're not going to pull you into Goody's office the next day to tell you, hey, man, we need to talk about this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's some real leaders out there. But Matt LaFleur, I'm sure, was like, oh, this is bullshit. Let me get on the mic. Let me call Let me call daddy. You know what I'm saying? But we'll just keep it as it is. We're going to, uh, shoot, man, this this one hurts, man. I was a big fan of Eric Stokes. Still, I'm a big fan of Eric Stokes. I was also a big fan of Kevin King. Just, I, I love the defense. I love cornerbacks. Um, I could jump right into my football life. Personally, I played cornerback. That was my position. That's the field. That's the position that I really like to watch on tape, just to see the techniques and how the they swivel their hips and how they're going about their routes and how they use the the distance or your gaps, um, depending on the down and yardage and the scheme of the defense that they actually run or depending on what blitz package they're running, which doesn't seem to occur with Joe Barry. So we'll just avoid all that whole part of the conversation. But my personal football life, I played cornerback. I did play linebacker um, occasionally, and that was like if, even in games, but more so in practice. I was way too small. And I even played defensive end as more of like a joker wild card type thing. I'm so damn small. But I was quick. So if we were getting burned or we had, you know, weren't getting the pressure needed, they'd put me in there and I could either go around the outside or I can try to cut back underneath. If he got his hands on me, I went flying. You know what I mean? But there were times, oh, I got to crack the enemy quarterback in the back and just have that ball go flying. It's a beautiful feeling. I didn't play that much. Um, I did more linebacker and cornerback. I did play safety occasionally in the um, practice, but not in game time. So I don't call myself a safety in any way, shape, or form. We had two. Very good safety, so I didn't have to man that position too often. Um, I actually just played cornerback, mostly cornerback, and slid to linebacker with an occasional defensive end, which was wild, but I never should have been there. I was definitely too small, but my coach liked doing crazy things occasionally. Um, that all comes back to cornerback blitzing that Joe De- Joe Barry does not do. Um, as very Everybody's well aware of this one at this point. Sometimes he'll blitz a nickel if you're lined up on the slot. But even on the outside, I'd come blitz him at hard. I always remember I looked to my coach, and if he did a certain sign above his head, I knew that was go time. That was go. I just let the, let the safety know that I'm going. You know what I mean? So he calls play. He'd do the sign. I look at the safety. Hey, I'm hot. I'm hot, boy. I'm going. You know what I mean? I'm coming off that edge. We don't, we don't do that, man. We don't. 
My my defensive coach was a dog, man. I I wonder if he's alive today, but if he was, he was just the dog on the field. There's a different mentality on the defensive side. I'll definitely get into that. <sighs> my personal life. Um, I I went. I was a Colton High baby. I definitely went to San Bernardino High School as well. But at Colton High, we produced such talent coming out of there. We had a uh, Allen Bradford who went to play def- uh, running back for Tampa Bay. And this is like the same year. It was, it was amazing. Um, right around the, the year I graduated, we had Alan Bradford come out of there. We had Sharice Wright come out of there. We had Jimmy Smith come out of there. Jimmy Smith and Sharice Wright both played for the Baltimore Ravens a long time as starting corners. Um, Super Bowl rings walking around the mall out here in the Dino with Super Bowl rings on. I mean, it's beautiful, man. It's hood, but we got a lot of talent. We got Kenny Clark coming from here. We got... Um, Come on, Williams, what's his name? Jamal Williams, he came from Fontana just right over here. So he's like literally right down the street. He actually comes back during the offseason and practices with my boy that I make shirts for, for his uh, youth football squad. So, I mean, it's just so much talent around here. That that squad, just my team and everything was stacked. When I was playing with dudes that went straight to the NFL. Alan Bradford was slam dunking um, basketballs in seventh grade. He was just hooping like NBA superstar. He was just not a normal size, and I always had to guard his ass. They always put me on him, always. That was like my assignment. I already knew if he was playing tight end, I have to drop down inside, cover his ass. Thankfully, um, when I played with him, the Pop Warner years were cool because sometimes he wouldn't make weight. They'd sit him in the bathroom for 15 minutes trying to have him relieve some um, some weight off of his body. So it was different back then. When you get to high school pros, those things don't matter. But when you're in Pop Warner, those things definitely mattered. So... Defensive side of the ball, man, I'm just going to say like this. Defensive room and offensive room are two different places. You know, you see the offense, you see Aaron Jones, you see what he's doing with his dance and everything. Defensive side of the ball, you ain't going to see very much of that. So the offensive side, you'll see the wide receivers practicing their dances. You'll see them practicing their touchdown celebrations, things like that. I think you might see it a little a little bit now on the defensive side as they've opened it up a, a little bit. Um, they definitely allow the defense to run down to the opposing end zone and celebrate when they do picks and things like that. So, that has changed. When I was playing football, you didn't do that shit, man. That was not sportsmanship. You did not celebrate like that. That was a big issue. That was a big no-no. You know what I mean? You didn't You didn't do that shit. You just, we came in to play football. If we were having dance class, you wanted to come to practice. That's not what we're here to do. We're in here to improve our tackling, our hands. You know what I mean? It was, it was a different mindset. When we hit that, it's business mode. So, like I said, I'll dance with you outside of there. Once I clock in, like, to work or something, I'm a whole different person. It's focus mode. You know what I mean? And I watch champions in all across different sports from Kobe Bryant to Michael Jordan. You ain't never going to see him dancing like that in practice. I'm just going to be honest. It's a different zone. It's a different mindset. It's a different um, – it's scary, man. Those fucking football fields are scary. I know we watch it every weekend, but these guys are huge. These guys are monsters. I don't think that this perspective sinks in when we're standing on the – even if you're on the sidelines, it does no justice. If you're actually in there and you see these big-ass individuals, do it is – it's not real. It is unreal, man. These dudes are huge. Like, whoo, it's just scary, man. It's a scary place to be, I'll tell you that. And as cornerbacks, that's why I understand Valentine. I give him a hard time for not tackling sometimes. I wouldn't want to tackle either, bro. That shit is, uh-uh, especially on a rookie contract. Hell no, there ain't no guarantee. That shit will snap your neck. You know what I mean? These some big-ass dudes. Like, I don't know. It's just a reality check. I was thinking about it, and one of the biggest guys in our – uh, what was it? Colton High School's um, offensive line. His name was Tex. Tex, big guy, big ass dude. He's a little young and two years younger than me or something. A big ass dude. I remember when he ended up going out. You know, big recruit out of high school went to college ball, and he just said it was a different level. You know, he just different level, man. And came back. He gave up. You know, he gave up when he went to college. He said, "No, it ain't. I ain't going to the another. There's another level. But I, I ain't gonna make it." Like he just he realized he ain't making it to that level. Um, with that being said, man, big shout out to my boy, you know, Wes, I ain't gonna put his whole name out there just cause he ended up doing some crazy stuff, man. He was the only person faster than me when it came to, uh, just on the field or anything. And he actually went to Colorado state and did punt return. Um, he ended up injuring his back, went to a chiropractor, a chiropractor popped his back. He did good. Went home, went to sleep, woke up the next morning and was paralyzed from his waist down. Had to have a surgery, never played again. Ended up actually getting into gay porn, oddly enough. Um, it's all it's all weird because he got he always had the most beautiful girlfriend. Still to this day, he has the most beautiful girlfriend. I believe he, you know, caught some STDs type type thing along the way and 
Oh man, he's had a, his own interesting life. Hopefully, I can get him on the podcast one day. That would be cool. Except I ain't talked to a dude in like ten years. But every time I do, it's all love. Man, football, football, football. But he was an offensive guy. Like I said, I, I did play a little special teams. I played punt return. That is the hardest position in football, if you ask me. Um, I did play a lot of them. I didn't play quarterback. That was definitely, damn, man, my quarterback's doing life in prison for blowing somebody in half with a sawed-off shotgun. You know what I mean? His dad was the coach. So we, it def, it's different out here. You know, in the, in the Dino, California it's ghetto, it's super, super Different. We have a lot of talent that just never makes it. I can put it that way. There's a lot, a lot. Of, I still wonder what happened to Killebrew and just some of the dudes from our team. And it was, I was so happy to see Allen actually make all the right choices, continue on in life. He had a very strong father figure and uh, just a, a good family altogether. I think that's what a lot of the players that make it to the NFL, I don't think they get the credit for the good decisions that they do make along the way. Um, for especially for Kenny Clark and Jamal Williams, I understand the bad temptations that were present um, were in their communities, and they decided to go a different route. So congratulations to just all, all, all these football players that make the right choices. You know, what I mean, you have a couple that still wander in that probably shouldn't have, like Antonio Browns and some of your uh, what was that fool Henderson or whatever Hernandez over there in uh, New England. You have a couple characters that probably shouldn't make it, but. Talent will get you there, man. Talent will get you there. So defensive mind, though, I just wanted to say it's it's a different it's different, man. It is different. And when I look at Matt LaFleur and what he's done, he's always been an offensive coach. Um, he's always been offensive coordinator, offensive this, QB coach, all these QBs are nice. QBs are very, you know, you might have like a Cam Newton out there that's a little more loud, but for the most part, I mean, he's been doing he dealt with Matt Ryan, he dealt with golf, he dealt with all these nice individuals, you know, very nice guys. Let me tell you something about that defensive room. They ain't no fucking nice guys. You know what I mean? I ain't, ain't going to get you in the defensive room. Even Devondre Campbell, he may be silent, but he's a leader, which is why when they signed him to the five-year contract extension, Gudekins even said not only his on-field performance, but his leadership is why they're signing him to this. A true leader. You know what I mean? But not they're not here to play. They're not here to dance. You ain't going to see Devondre Campbell dancing around. No. Maybe it's an offensive thing. That's why I don't want to speak too much on the offense. Offense is offense. Defensive side, you ain't going to see that shit, boy. Maybe in the defensive back room, in our defensive back room, Valentine and Jahir, maybe you can see some dancing around like that. But it's dogs, man. Defense is dogs. And I think that our definitely our coaching staff is aware of this at this point. Um, Joe Barry, he doesn't have the respect of the Packers fans, let alone the Packers locker room. Uh, that's very clear. You can tell by Devondre Campbell. So my football pass, as I told you guys, that, that sums up my football pass. I'm just going to do that. I play a lot of defense. You know, offense, those are different fellas. I love them, you know. Um, I hate them all week. Don't get me wrong. We, we compete all week. Those are the enemy all week. But on Sunday, that's a family. You know what I mean? That is the family right there. So the other team, you can't even put your fingers on them. We're going to kill you. But during the week, that's that's our enemy. Every day at practice, that's our, we we taking them out. Now, we ain't taking them out like full-blown enemies. You I definitely got hit by the coaches, you know what I mean, for hitting a little too hard on practice. But you're talking about practice? So it's different, man. Game day, we're on the, we, we all go in the same room. During the week, we ain't the same beast, boy. We, it's completely different offense, defense. That's why too many people don't play both of them. You know, it's kind of hard to go back-to-back, back, but it's just different mentalities altogether. I never wanted to carry the ball. When they put me on punt returns because I was fast and I could run from the police, and I run really, really fast when people are after me. Punt return, they're after you fast as hell. I hated it, man. You have to time that fair catch right, and if you miss one person, boom, you blown up like the 4th of July. So that's my defensive perspective on me. Um, jumping into it, Packers defense. Before I jump into the individuals, I think it's unanimous, um, according to Twitter, that uh, Joe Barry's got to go. I think we can all unanimously say this, besides Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry's got to go. He's not the solution. He is the problem. I think Matt LaFleur is actually the problem, especially for not getting rid of the problem, which is where this whole respect thing is going to come into play. Nobody respects Matt um, Joe, uh, Joe Barry. Nobody in that defensive room. I don't think anybody on Twitter, I don't think anybody in the organization right now respects Joe Barry for the work that he's done. Um, just as a person, amazing. I love, I actually enjoy his press conferences. I think that he speaks well. He means well. I think that he's probably a really good person in real life. He's not the defensive coordinator. You know what I mean? He ain't got that dog. He plays, everything's too safe, plays a lot of zone. 
I like the dog, man. I like to attack. I like the Antonio Pierce type vibes in the locker room. You know what I mean? And when you think of Matt LaFleur, he ain't got no defense. He was never a player. He never spent time in the defensive room. And he sure as hell ain't going in there commanding the room. You saw that when Jahir pulled that stunt. There was no command after. He's like, well, let me go back and talk to Gutekinds and see what we should do about this situation. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. If there was a leader out there, it, it, that shit ain't going to happen. It, that's a defensive mindset. Matt LaFleur is an offensive guy. He's, well, but we'll get it behind closed doors and take care of that behind closed doors. I hate listening to Matt LaFleur's press conferences. He just beats around the bush. He just never up front and tell you the actual what's going on. He just always pushes things back, and I can see him doing that in real life until Gutekinds calls him in the office like, this got to be done. He's like, okay, papi. Okay, papi. So, over the personnel, the coaching, we got established that uh, the lack of respect, zero respect for the coach, Joe Barry. The problem is this has been happening for what three years now. At least last year he should have been fired. This year is just running on the same problem, and everybody understands that Joe Barry is Matt LaFleur's buddy. I mean, these guys got history together. Matt LaFleur brought him in. Matt LaFleur has failed to get him out. You know, these, these are homies. These are ride or dies, and it's proven because he's – Riding and dying with his buddy. Unfortunately, that's cost him the locker room. Um, this locker room is not behind Matt LaFleur on the defensive side. Offense, offense is full of young players. One thing about the young players is they're still thankful for the opportunity to be in the league. They, they just got, you know, they, they got paid. They're doing all right. They're in the league. They're on TV. They finally made it. Their dreams have come true. They're still living in, they just got to Oz. You know what I mean? They don't even know the Wicked Witch exists yet. When it comes to these veterans, these veterans are looking at this defense just collapsing, giving up just yardage on yardage. And when I look at it, I, I really think about, man, I'll get to Eric Stokes in, in, a, in a moment, but why would you want to play for this team when they're clearly going for a youth? I'm not going to say they're in rebuild mode just because you're not in rebuild mode when you drafted Jordan Love three years ago when all we needed was one piece to win a Super Bowl. Um, you started rebuilding three years ago. We need to get this boat, you know, going. Uh, you can't be still rebuilding. This is you're going to lose your quarterback that you got during your rebuild, you know, three years ago. And he's not even under contract. Uh, been very interesting watching that whole scenario play out. But why would you want to play? I mean, why would you really want to play these last couple weeks when our defense has given up just substantial points? And if you aren't guaranteed you're going to play next year for the Packers and for a better defensive coordinator, why would you want to play on the field to get just demolished this weekend to have, you know, when you hit free agency, you're not going to be able to get that type of money. You're, you know, you're not going to look as good because Joe Barry cost you. Joe Barry's making everybody look bad. You could put anybody you want on this defense and they're not going to look as good as they should. I mean, that's, I think anybody can tell you that. Even Rashawn Gary isn't shining anymore, and it's one hell of a talent, you know, and it's nobody's looking good on this defense. <sighs> Devondre Campbell, man. He was our last leader on the defense. Um, Devondre Campbell was somebody when he was brought in, there was a huge need. I, I spoke about it a lot a couple years ago um, at that linebacker position, and I thought when Devondre Campbell was brought in, as I said, He's a good, he's better than what we got. You know, he fills the need, but I didn't see a substantial future in him. When they signed him to five years, I thought it was a mistake. I thought he could give us, you know, two or three years, but just signing him to five was like, huh, interesting. That's the money side. I'm not going to get, you know, your averages work out a little better if you can sign him long, long term. And then if you decide to get some value for him, that's down the road at the time. So I understand I'm not going to question the five-year contract. Um, we didn't need him, but we could definitely upgrade that position. The concerning part with Devondre Campbell, as everybody knows, he went out and put out a tweet that said, not going out of my way anymore, and I'm not playing through injuries anymore because when shit goes wrong, they always use it against you. That's personal. You know what I mean? That's against the coaching staff. That's totally, I mean, that's not, he didn't hide behind, you know, he didn't hide nothing. He said that they blame it on you. Devondre has not looked the same this year. I'm not sure exactly. Oh, he's out with a neck injury right now, so we could say that it's a neck injury. He's been a step behind. Now, is that on him? I mean, Walker's looked a step behind. Everybody on this defense, Jahir looked a step behind. Stokes looked a step behind. Everybody, Rashawn Gary looks a step. Everybody just looks like they're, they're not motivated. Like, they don't have that urgency. Like, they're all a step behind. And it's all of them. It's not one in particular. There's nobody that's really shining. Van Ness isn't shining. Nobody's shining in this defense. It's actually, 
the Joe Barry effect. We'll just call it that. That's what it should be titled. We we should uh, trademark that, quote it, bing, bing. You know what I'm saying? But um, Devondre Campbell, that one hurt, man. We, 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 we lost our leader on defense. And um, when Barry was asked about Devondre Campbell recently and about the absence of Devondre Campbell, and for those that, you know, you can't question it, he's a green dot. You know, he's the communicator. So when they asked him about the absence of Devondre Campbell, the first thing that Barry did was praise McDuffie. I mean, before he even spoke a word about Campbell and went into that, he said, before, but let me praise McDuffie. And typically that would go unnoticed, but there's something that I really am curious about. And, and this is all conspiracy. I'm not going to say I don't have no insider scoop on this one. I don't know what the hell is happening, but it's just real curious when all that happened. You just wondered, did Devondre get benched? I mean, is that what happened? And they told him, hey, Devondre, we're actually going to start McDuffie these last couple weeks. And Devondre said, oh, and here goes the tweet. I'm, I'm not even playing for y'all. I'm not playing second string. I'm not playing, period. Like, you guys blame it on me. I'm, I'm not even playing for you. You know, and I think that might have, it, it almost makes sense. I don't want to say he did, but it almost makes sense why he would put out that type of tweet just saying, fuck y'all, like, for real, because y'all trying to bench my ass, trying to blame it on me. You know, for I know that there was, comments made by our coaching staff about lack of communication so communication runs through the green dot 100 percent um and they say that communication's improved at least walker did this week another younger guy just thankful for the opportunity super excited for what walker does in the future but back to devondre did he get benched man i would love to know the answer to that one i don't think he'll play for us next year i think that's very clear at least not with this coaching staff um so devondre he Looks like he's out of here. Unfortunately for the Packers, he just signed a five-year contract like last year, March 2022, if I remember correctly. And he signed, He we have, him, the Packers have him signed through 2027. He's, he's going to be an ongoing problem. I mean, at this point, he's an ongoing problem for that locker room. For what he said, just deliver it straight out. Like, I'm not playing for y'all. Y'all trash. You know what I mean? He's out this week. He's not on injury reserve because they're hoping he'll get his feelings in order, but he don't respect y'all motherfuckers, man. He really don't. Like, y'all just a bunch of sheeps walking through the Wolf's locker room, you know, and it's, there's no respect for Matt LaFleur. There's no respect for Matt, uh, for uh, Joe Barry. And I think that when they look at Matt LaFleur, especially Devondre Campbell, that type of animal, because you got to realize this is a six-something individual that smashes people for a living. You got puny-ass Matt LaFleur walking in here. He's been under the umbrella of Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay for so damn long. He walks in here, hasn't earned a damn thing, especially the respect. Walked in the building, starts working with the offense. He ain't got nothing he can teach the defense. You shouldn't even be in the defensive room. Matt LaFleur, keep your ass out of here. Bring us in a leader. He brings you in Joe Barry. Sticks you with Joe Barry. You know what, man? Screw Joe Barry and screw you too. That's how human nature works, man. I'll tell you right now. Anybody who don't respect Joe Barry, you ain't going to respect Matt LaFleur, especially if you're working under Joe Barry, ruining your career, running a defense for Joe Barry that's making you look bad, and he's only here because of Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Do the Lincoln. You know what I mean? You can you can link him like Lincoln Logs. It don't matter to me. But I'll tell you what's going on in that defensive locker room. So Devondre Campbell, he's going to have to be a trade candidate. We're going to have to get rid of him. He's owed too much money. You know what I mean? He's, we, we signed him five-year contract just like last year. He's only one year. In, and yeah, nope. That's a bad situation. We're going to have to come off of that. We have to draft somebody because McDuffie is not the solution at that position. Uh, I, I respect McDuffie to the fullest. I think he's a very good run stopper. It's just in space. And, again, it could be the scheme. It could be all the scheme. It could be Joe Barry. So maybe if you get McDuffie in a different scheme and play him for a different coordinator, maybe they can get him on track because right now nobody looks good in our defense. So, a lot of my complaints on McDuffie was the way that he hits the line. Um, I can say the same about Walker. They don't when the ball snap, they're waiting. They're constantly waiting instead of hitting a hole. I love when the linebackers are hitting gaps. I remember Ray Lewis, boy, you don't want to be in that gap he was hitting. You better hope you picked a different one. Right now, our linebackers are always waiting, and then we wonder why they're getting four yards per carry. Is because our linebackers are right where they started when they're getting the tackle. You know, they're not hitting the the holes. So that comes with its own. You know risk and reward but at some point you got to take some risk man you can't be as soft as joe barry has been but that's this entire organization at this point in locker room there, there, there aren't many big dogs on top you can tell from a uh, goody murphy and just none of them are really big former players i think uh goody was also an offensive guy for a little bit went to college had like a 
knee injury or something. If I remember correctly, this is all going off memory, but never really made it and was also an offensive guy. So these are all offensive guys. These aren't even, these aren't the dogs that you want on defense. Devondre, not sure what's going to happen, man. We love you. We appreciate everything that you did for the Packers. Um, I'm sure you're not going to play for us again. I probably won't talk about you again, but I, I love you, man. We love you. We appreciate everything you did for us and uh, give it up for that guy. Now, over to my guy. This is my guy right here, man. What's up, man? Jahir Alexander. I was yelling this dude's name at the L.A. Coliseum, man, when we were in there. I was the only one wearing an Alexander jersey his first year. I was wilding the dudes in front of me. They know Alexander's name now because of me. I mean, it was it was a fun-ass event. I loved it. Uh, the lady I brought with me, she thought we were going to fight, but me and the dudes afterward, we just gave big props even though we lost, man. Damn it. But, uh... Yeah, it was it was wild. It was wild. I love it. I love that energy. For those that don't know, you know, I've lived my life in martial arts uh, all since I was five years old. I've been doing it what thirty years now. So it's it's I I love fighting. I love fighting. I love football. I love that adrenaline rush. I always raced BMX. I raced motocross. But you, you know, I'm, I'm I love putting my body on the line. I'm I'm not worried. Death is you know death is just a side effect. That we ain't worried about that. We trying to hit 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 live life to the fullest, man. Um, I'm not. I'm trying to live. Uh, trying to live a quality life, not a quantity life. That's what I'll tell you. As a defensive player, I think that's just the mindset. You're not going into that for your health. You're going in there to hurt somebody. You know what I'm saying? That's, it's an amazing feeling. Um, getting interceptions from me as a cornerback, that was amazing. Um, coming off the blitz, especially when I hit, the, like I said, when I hit the quarterback blindside and I was able, it's dirty. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, but I put my face mask right in his back and I just remember, boom, and that just the, the whole stadium erupted ball. You know what I mean? Never forget those moments. Um, there was also a playoff game where we were down. We were down at uh, six points supposed to lose. All they had to do was hand the ball off, get a first down. They handed the ball off. They ran into uh, Villarreal, our little speed bump who was only in the game because, well, he was a speed bump, but the game was pretty much over and they just wanted to get him some playing time. He just put his helmet down. I mean, all he did was lean forward. The helmet landed right on the ball. Next thing I know, the ball's down there by my feet. I got the ball. I remember people all over me trying to pull me out. Like I said, I'm a little guy. I'm not the strongest guy, but I, I hold my own. I could, I could do a lot of pull-ups. But I just remember coming out of there when everybody finally pulled off, just being wrapped around that ball and just holding it in the air, bro. The whole stadium just erupts. You know, it's one hell of a feeling. I remember the ball was a little flat. Speaking of deflate gate, definitely we played flatter, but I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't know anything about it at the time. I didn't touch, I didn't touch the offensive football as much. I remember that ball was flat, but I just remember holding it up like, yes, sir. You know, and the whole place erupted. It's one hell of a feeling, man. One hell of a feeling. Um, Jahir Alexander. We're going to start with his injury. Um, Six weeks, shoulder injury, no IR, very suspicious. The way that it was all played out, his comments about I'm not going out there unless I'm at 100% and when I'm ready. So it seems like maybe the doctors were like, he's ready, you know. I mean, he he's good. He's just not feeling good. You know, that's just the way I was taking it when Lafleur was like, it's frustrating. and every, We hope he's out there this weekend, and that's why I think it was very clear by what Jahir did with that uh, coin flip. So the six weeks without going on IR, that was all questionable. Everybody definitely questioned a lot of that. It seems like the tissue and the doctors were saying that he's good, and it seemed honestly like Jahir was just like, ah, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. If I had to guess, and there's nothing against him, hey, if it still hurts, it still hurts. I was a safety guy at my last job, so I totally understand. People tell me it still hurts. The doctors are like, he's good. It's like, look, bro, we got to figure out how to get your ass back to work. Um, I, I, I was that guy, so I totally understand where they're sitting at in that office. So when he finally does return, Jahir pulls this coin flip fiasco, and that was um, – it was catastrophic. I mean, I've, I've played a lot of football. I've played a lot of sports, and uh, you that that's a big no-no. That does not happen. That's not normal. That's uh, That's never happened that I've ever heard of. That is a crazy – fiasco when you say okay coaches you chose this well I'm doing this you're just saying fuck you coach like there is no other way to put that besides you saying fuck you to the whole organization like you you and you he just sitting there to everybody and everybody knows it when he went back and even when that when they asked him anybody talk to you about it he said no why would they you know what I mean then he said the guys supported me I don't know if you guys caught that part or if you ladies guys gals everybody whoever the hell listening Shahir Alexander said the guys supported him we know we know damn well the guy supported him. Now the organization had to suspend him. I'm totally behind you know discipline for 
discipline is discipline. You got it. You got to issue it. You got to issue it evenly. Got to distribute it. Got to be fair. You got to look at the situation, man. This is it's a disaster. And what Jahir was trying to accomplish um, is very possible. He didn't want to play, and he was hoping to get sent to the locker room. He said, "Look, I'll be available to play. I can play. I don't want to play." So he went out there hoping they'd send him back. That's the honest truth, and he probably didn't want to be out there. And a lot of people watching that game film will say he just. He didn't have that that drive either. He didn't look like the same jaw here, and I think that's a lot of that's mental, man. Just like the fight game, if you go into that fight, when you go into that cage, when they lock it behind you, if you're not right mentally, you're not going to show up. That's that's the bottom line. That's a lot of fights are made of braid just on the mental. It's a fight every week for these guys. I don't know if y'all played football, but believe it or not, man, it's just, it's a lot mental. It's all mental. Oh. Coin flip fiasco. The guy supported me. We got that. He suspended one week. We got that. What is the future for Jahir Alexander? He signed through 2026. So he's, we've, we've got him under contract. The Packers have him under contract. He's going to cost the Packers roughly $6.65 million in 2024 next year. Uh, that's not counting bonuses and those types of things, but um, roughly – where you're looking at six, you know, almost seven million after some bonuses and stuff. So it can definitely save some money. Um, it would be a huge cap hit. You know, it would save some cap because it's it's a it's, that's a, that's a substantial cap hit. You know what I mean? That's not that's not light, especially for a cornerback. Um, however, you can't replace that talent, especially what they have now with Eric Stokes' future in jeopardy. Um, I mean, our failure to draft at that position from Kevin King. I mean, we've just been going through. Uh, Shamir Charles, Shamir Jean Charles never really made the field. He's our number 22. He plays a lot on uh, special teams, but I always wanted him to hit the field. That never quite worked out. You know, you have Valentine and Valentine out there now, so Shamir Jean Charles definitely didn't work out. He was a little undersized, but I always thought he had the agility and athleticism to make up for it. Um, Man, man, man. I know we talk about Goody and all his moves, we could talk about Rasul Douglas and his trade and how substantial that is at this point, especially with this game meaning the playoffs or not playoffs. Um, I don't really care if we make the playoffs, even if we do hit the playoffs. Um, I would love to. I always love to win. It's, it's Packers go, Pack go. But we're not going to beat one of these you know, stellar teams. We're not going to beat the Eagles. We're not going to beat the 49 unless they had the worst day they've ever had and their coaches like, Decide not to coach because we've already seen what happens when Shanahan coaches against Lafleur. Lafleur, you can't out coach the the master. You know he's definitely still looking at Poppy, and he'll never. <laughs> it's not even fair because uh, Lafleur doesn't even implement his own offense. He just implements Shanahan's offense, his own version of Shanahan's offense. And McVeigh was able to do the same thing. McDaniel's was able to do the same thing. Lafleur has failed, and that's okay. Um, you know, not all all the apples are going to fall from the tree are going to be delicious. So. Unfortunately for Packers fans, we got the one with the worm in it, um, and that's Mr. Matt LaFleur. So, Jahir Alexander, sounds like the Packers want to keep him around, but that's all hearsay. You can't replace that type of talent. I'm sure they want to keep him in the building because you're not going to replace him. I mean, there's not many players like him out there. Who, J.C. Horn or um, Pat Sertain? There's very few really elite cornerbacks with the youth. You know, a lot of them are getting older. I'm surprised to see, you know, even Gilmore out there. Give it up for that, man. Patrick Peterson still playing at a high level. Give it up. He actually had his first start at safety and pulled off an interception, so we got to give it up to that veteran. Oh, man. It's amazing to watch those guys, just especially as they adapt from cornerback over to safety and are able to use more of their knowledge and less of their physical, depend less on their agility because um, cornerback's tough, man. You don't ever know what route they're going to run. They know what they're going to do. You don't know if they're going to come to block you. You don't know if they're going to run a route. You got to be ready for both. You don't know if it's a trick play. So they're going to fake like they're going to block you and then end up running a route. So many things, man. So many things. Cornerback, I loved it. It was it was its own challenge. Um, a lot of the time you don't get play, especially if the quarterback sucks and he's not throwing a lot and they're just doing a run game or something. A lot of times it's it's a boring game on the outside. That's when I enjoyed linebacker because linebacker, you're involved in every play. Every play, you're doing something. I mean, you are, you're in the mix. You are the guy. So that's what I really enjoyed about linebacker. But it's a different breed, man. Offense was different. I, I, I never wanted to play offense. It's a different mindset on offense. They want to dance and shit. We, we ain't trying to dance. We're trying to smash. <sighs> Jahir Alexander, what do they do? It looks like, it looks like they're going to keep them. If they try to trade them, good luck, man. I mean, 
it's not even a good look for him if you try to trade him because he's just given a bad team appearance at this point. So that's not good for the team. Either way, this was just a bad situation. Complete disrespect for the coaching staff, just like Devondre Campbell. I mean, history is just repeating. There's a pattern taking place, right? On to today's topic. Eric Stokes and his unexpected injury. I mean, this is a... What do we know? We'll start with what we know because I don't want to jump into too many assumptions at this point. What do we know? He's out, hamstring issue, same one that hurt before, and he's already been placed on IR. What else do we know? Eric Stokes was not on the injury report on Friday. How the hell did this happen? I don't know. Did the guy hurt himself unloading groceries, or did he catch Devondre Devondre Campbell syndrome and just said, not going out there anymore, and I'm not playing through injuries? You know, and he just said, hey, you know what? My hamstring hurts. I don't even want to play. I mean, I don't know how you make that diagnosis on a Saturday when Friday he had no, no, nothing. On Saturday, I don't know if he went into the building and just told him, hey, man, check it out, my hamstring. They do, what, they, they do an MRI or just say, you know what, he's done for the rest or this is the same issue. We're just going to shut him down now or didn't even look at it or looking, don't even need to look any further. Just let the doc, hey, he has an irritation. Is it done? It's done. It's done. I can see a doctor doing that, so I won't say it didn't. There's a good chance, folks. There's a good chance that he got that Jahir Alexander syndrome, you know, and that Devondre Campbell syndrome and just said, fuck y'all too, man. It's very possible. And I'll tell you why it's possible. So that's what we know. He'll be out Friday. He's going on IR. I'll tell you what else we know. And this is pretty unanimous around Packers Twitter. This entire community has already begun making memes. I've seen them. I've seen them, man. I've seen everybody. They're already roasting them. They're looking at Justin Jefferson, Osborne, you know what I mean? Addison, they're just li- sitting back, licking their lips like, oh, boy, we're going to eat tomorrow. We gonna eat. Even if that rookie quarterback just throws the ball up, we're going to eat. Eric Stokes was about to get burned. I mean, most likely, and this is, you know, chances are Eric Stokes was about to get burned. Um, Jefferson's a hard challenge for anybody. I mean, you put Jahir Alexander on Jefferson, it's one hell of a day, you know, and it's, Chances are, I'm going to be honest with you, and Eric Stokes, I'm not sure what he sees his future looking like. I'm not sure if he counts himself as he'll be there next year or if not, or if he thought this injury situation was just like Jahir's because I know they're close. Um, It's just odd. It's odd that he came off Friday, nothing. Saturday, you're on IR. Um, We have him. It's his third year on the contract, on his rookie contract, so we have him for one more year. I'm sure we could – exercise a fifth-year option. We don't need to get into all that, but he's under contract for one more year. This feels a lot like the Kevin King situation. I'm not going to lie. It, 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 I hate to say it. You know, I love Kevin King. There was a lot of guys that went through. We had, what, Holman? We had a lot of people go through there, man, a lot of cornerbacks. There's always a problem. There's always a problem with the Packers and cornerbacks, man, I, and I love them. Don't get me wrong. I, I, we had a lot of great ones. We had, what, Shields? We had a lot, a lot of them. A lot of great players at cornerback, man. Al Harris, I mean, been some been some amazing players out there, man, especially when we had the two braids on each side. Oh, it was going down. Uh, who, who was it, McKenzie? Mike McKenzie, I want to say it was. Memory sucks, folks, but I've been watching it quite a while. So if he played, we can all agree, Eric Stokes is going to get burned, man. Eric Stokes, and I don't mean this disrespectfully. Don't take it wrong. That's one hell of a wide receiver trio over there. And Joe Barry's off defense does not set you up for success. So we're going to do the equation. One plus one typically equals two. There may be something along the way, but he's probably about to get burned. So there's no reason for put your ass out there just to get burned. I mean, I'm just thinking about it realistically. At me as a player, I'm out there. I always want to be out there. That's how it goes. I'm not saying Eric Stokes doesn't. If he's looking value-wise, and these are these are all humans, he is the younger guy. He is, uh, I'm not going to say he follows Jahir, but Jahir was his dude when he came in. He came in under, under, you know, Alexander's wing, so he may have some influence on that. Now, that's all conspiracy. I'm not, I'm not trying to jump on this conspiracy tip. I understand y'all ain't here for the what-ifs. Not here for the what-ifs. Eric Stokes signed through 2024. What are we going to do? Hopefully he can recover from this and get back to what he was hoped to be next year. Got all the offseason, got one year, one more year on his rookie contract. No reason to get rid of him. Hopefully he can heal, come back next year. Interesting. Conspiracies aside, I want to talk about just the free agent market. And, oh, poor uh, Russell Wilson and everything that went on over there. The only thing I don't like about it was he started saying something about the team coming to him right after he got benched. If he would have done it when the team came to him and brought him up, 
I think that would have been a lot more commendable, a lot more respectable. You're in the position of power and you're still exposing them. That's a real winner. I don't like when you, you know, get kicked onto the bench and then start trying to do an uprising, kind of we'll call it the Kaepernick effect because he didn't give a damn about nobody until he got benched for Gabbert and then everything, the whole world was against him. Um, But it's weird how when people are on top and winning, they don't say anything about the wrongdoings, but as soon as they get benched, everybody's, hey, I was done wrong. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if you were done wrong in October, why you wait till December to say it? It's just weird to me. I don't like it, but that's no excuse for what was done. No excuse whatsoever. Sean Payton, I'm not sure how exactly it went down. We could all always talk about it. I'm not sure about the injury clause on his contract. and There's people that know more about that, so I won't speak on it, but my heart goes out to that whole situation, man. But I did watch some Russell Wilson games, and he, he definitely had some questionable uh, throws in there, some real true inconsistencies. Um, I do respect Pete Carroll tremendously, especially as a SoCal guy. We had him at USC he accomplished miracles at USC with that Matt Leonard, Reggie Bush year. Um, and then he took off when the trouble started. And when they came and started making suspensions and dealing discipline, he said, I'm out. And he took off to the NFL and avoided all punishment. I remember it all, folks. I, not, not all, but I remember all that part, man. I always I knew as soon as he went to Seattle that they were going to win a Super Bowl or at least be in the Super Bowl. I even posted it on Facebook way back then. I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to be contenders. Just wait because – Pete Carroll, he, he, he definitely made Russell Wilson look good. If I remember correctly, Matt Flynn was over there, former Packers quarterback. He's the one that got all those yards against somebody, maybe the Raiders or something on like a weird Monday night game or primetime game, and he just shined as a backup. Matt Flynn ended up over there, if I remember correctly, and got benched essentially, even though they gave him a substantial starting money, and he got benched for Russell Wilson, and look what Russell Wilson turned into. So I give Pete Carroll his respect. I wish he was our coach. And Sean Payton, it's going to be discovered on whether he was a great coach or whether it was Drew Brees. I don't think many people question Drew Brees's talent. I mean, that dude was – I mean, his arm talent was uh, – he was amazing, and he had, he was a very disciplined quarterback. He made some very good decisions um, usually. He has, Plenty, everybody makes bad decisions, but he made a lot more good ones than he made bad ones. So Drew Brees, great talent, amazing quarterback. So you just wonder, you have to wonder in that situation, who made who? Um, Pete Carroll's situation and Russell Wilson, I really don't at this point. Um, I, I believe personally in Pete Carroll just because USC, that was one of the, that team could have beat some of these NFL teams. Oh, man. That's, and you see what Matt Leiner did when he hit the NFL. I think he played for the Cardinals, what, like a couple seasons, and he didn't do a damn thing. I think he's now like a broadcaster or something. Free agency market, man. Who wants to come to Green Bay, and why come to Green Bay? Oh, back, 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 back. Let me back to my conspiracy about these defenders. Before I jump onto the, the free market, here's a conspiracy that I have just in my head, and these are all coming as a defensive guy, remember, in the field. You practice against Aaron Rodgers for the last, let's just say, three years. For, on average, they practice against Aaron Rodgers the last three years at least, right? So you got to see Aaron Rodgers day in, day out on the practice field. You know what he had. Well, now they see Jordan Love. They know how far they got with Aaron Rodgers. They fell short of the Super Bowl. They got this far. They got so close with Aaron Rodgers, but they didn't make it. If you're on the practice field every day and you see Jordan Love and they are not believers in Jordan Love as we are, uh, as a Packers community, I'm not going to say as we are because I still question. I don't think one season is enough time to really make a decision, um, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, I think that a lot of people will excel in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think you can look at Brock Purdy and what he's doing. Uh, he's a prime example of you, you get the right talent around the right players. You don't need a first-round draft pick to be your quarterback. You just need the right scheme, the right players, the right supporting cast. They have a lot of talent over there in San Francisco. Um, so it's not really fair to compare the two, but that's the same offense that we run. It's all Shanahan's offense. Um, conspiracies. What if they don't believe in Jordan love? I mean, just being honest, if they don't believe in Jordan love, they see the inconsistencies. They're going from watching a hall of fame, number one quarterback, a leader in Aaron Rodgers, And now you got Jordan love jumping. And if Jordan love is as inconsistent as he is in a lot of the games, and this is, you know, Jordan love may, end up being a good quarterback. I don't think he definitely won't be a great thrower of the ball like Aaron Rodgers. He won't be that great um, because I think there, there may be five more Aaron Rodgers in my generation if I'm lucky. You know what I mean? Because there were not very many before him. Um, Peyton Manning was one hell of a, season, a regular season quarterback. He was pretty awesome over there. And uh, 
Kurt Warner in his prime years with um with the Rams was pretty awesome. Even Matt Ryan, his prime years with Atlanta, they were stellar, man. They were whew, they were firing on all cylinders. Julio Jones, god dang. But conspiracy what, man, just if they don't believe in Jordan Love, folks, these guys, there ain't no reason for them to stay. I'll tell you right now, because uh, Matt LaFleur, he's not promising. There's nobody that believes Matt LaFleur is the solution. I think everybody's like, yeah, he's all right. He's all right. He ain't winning no Super Bowl. Matt LaFleur will never win a Super Bowl unless he's on the staff. You know what I mean? He's not a leader. He's not, he lacks the leadership required, and it's very clear. There's no leadership in that defensive locker room right now. They got rid of Campbell. Well, not got rid of him, but they got Campbell upset. He went out. Jahir Alexander, I would say he has a lot of leadership qualities. He said, fuck y'all, you know what I mean? He, he's leading, and the guys support him. So that's a disaster, folks. Eric Stokes is out. I mean, on offense, you think about who's our offensive leader. I'm not going to say Jordan Love's an, a leader, just his demeanor and his everything. So if not Jordan Love, you basically got to give it to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, um, I, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Aaron Jones, the person. I think that Aaron Jones has a lot of talent. Um, he's a, he's a he's a good runner. He's a good runner. I'm not gonna say he's great. I don't think he'll ever be. You know, he's definitely not a Derrick Henry. He's not a. Um, let's see who who's dope as fuck right now. And even that fool Williams with the the Rams. He's awesome, but he's not a Barry Sanders. You know, he's not that top level um, running back. And his biggest flaw is he those fumbles. He always fumbles in those crucial games at crucial moments especially I think about the 49ers right now and he fumbled it, got it. And then he fumbled again and we didn't get it. And it was a lot of fumbleitis in the big stage. I don't know why, but maybe the pressure or whatever it is. I remember when we had Jamal Williams who never fumbled. And then we had Aaron Jones who fumbled. So I, I don't know. I always focus on that issue that he's always had. Maybe he's over it now. Damn. I don't know. Conspiracies, man. But that just comes back to the free market, to the free agency market. Why would a player play in green Bay right now? That's the question. Matt LaFleur isn't bringing anybody over. Um, nobody who wants to play in Green Bay. You know, the actual city. And I, I love Green Bay. I love the Packers. I love the Packers. I don't live in Green Bay, but I'll tell you right now, nobody wants to go to that market is not the the best market. You know, you're not going to go there and pull fan, pulling ladies. You know what I mean? You're not doing that. It's not no nightlife. No, like you're not going to Vegas. That's for sure. I'll tell you, it's probably the opposite. So you're not going to sell them on the city unless that's really what they're looking for, unless they were raised up there, basically, and that's what they really want to do. Um, we're Packer fans typically listening to this podcast or this community, so we would like to say we like the Packers, but in the grand scheme of things, what are we going to sell people on to bring them to Green Bay now? Um, before you had Aaron Rodgers and the chance of a Super Bowl, you know, and they're that close. Jordan Love, you're not selling them that. You're not selling them anything that we have. You know what I mean? You're going to have to buy them. You're going to have to give them the money because nobody's going to give up money to come to Green Bay. It's like that's not going to happen at this point. And how do you change that? It starts up top. Get, get somebody in that they want to play for. Um, I say you bring a Harbaugh in. Uh, I've said it before. You bring in somebody that they want. I mean, people say Belichick. I'm not a big Belichick. I, I wouldn't want to bring Belichick in just because that's another one we wonder. Was that a Brady or Belichick thing? Belichick is way too old, if you ask me, for our very young roster. I just see a lot of clashes, and I don't see the mesh working very well. Um, there's a lot of options out there, but I definitely think it all starts with the head coach. You bring a head coach in that people want to play for, then you can get a quarterback in that has showed, you know, that they that proven that they, you know, people want to play with them. Take nothing away from Jordan Love; he's done great this year. Um, we just haven't had enough of a sample size, and from what we have seen, it hasn't been Aaron Rodgers' level, but his opportunities have been limited. His supporting cast is very limited, which was Aaron, jo- Aaron Rodgers' complaint, and his uh, you know coaching players, just his support is limited, so we didn't expect him to come out and shine. However, after watching last weekend, I truly questioned, because Bryce Young looked good, man. Bryce, Lung- Bryce Young looked just as promising as Jordan Love. However, Bryce Young did not sit behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. So give Bryce Young three years behind Aaron Rodgers. I bet you he plays better than Aaron than uh, Jordan Love did last weekend. Just saying. Y'all can hate me for it, but we all know it's damn true. Um, yeah, we all got a question, you know, just the decisions that have been made up until this point, especially at the quarterback position, because if Love isn't the future, we uh, they messed up, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? They messed up. So, we're just going to keep going with the Packers. Go, Pack, go. All I can say is 
that defensive room has fallen apart. It is going to continue to fall apart until we get some type of leadership in that room. It's not going to happen from Barry. We're going to continue to dissolve. The leadership there is uh, hopefully the toxicity doesn't leak over to other rooms. I'm sure the special teams room it's already gotten into because half of those are defensive players. Offense is next. When we lose the offense, I mean, that, that, that Matt LaFleur, man, what are we doing? So for all the people jumping up trying to defend Matt LaFleur's job with all the offensive quotes, that's your offensive coordinator's job. That's the off- That's what he got the job for because he was off a good offensive coordinator. That's why we have an offensive coordinator. If Matt LaFleur is going to be judged by the offensive stats, let's make him the offensive coordinator. Then we can get a head coach. <laughs> let's go. That's all I got to say on the subject. Y'all know what it is. Bob Dog checking in with you. I love, appreciate everybody. And uh, let's get this ship right. I said ship. I didn't say, you know. Tonight's game, Lions versus Cowboys. I want to do like a little preview or try to think about it, but I didn't even want to think about this game, folks. I want them both to lose. I hate the Cowboys. They're probably my most hated team outside of our division. You know, it's our division. We definitely hate them. But growing up, I hated the Cowboys. They won all the time. My family, my sister was a Cowboys fan. I just grew up not liking the Cowboys. So who do you want to win that part? I really don't care, man. We got McCarthy over there. Um, Cowboys, primetime, typically they fail. You know, Dak under the pressure. And you also got the Lions. Can't bet on the Lions and can't root for the Lions to win. At this point, it doesn't really matter in our playoff picture. So it doesn't matter in that sense, but I'm not going to root for the Lions. I'm not going to root for the Cowboys. So my prediction for this game is I don't care. I hope they both lose, and if it ends in a tie, I'll be happy. So love, appreciate each and every one of y'all. Packers versus Minnesota. It's just, That's a weird thing, right? Minnesota's within tr- driving distance. So I don't know how Eric Stokes got hurt between Friday and Saturday and then called on Saturday to be on IR. Like, they diagnosed it. I mean, were they at home and they just drive over Sunday into Green Bay or were they on the bus? I'm not sure what the hell happened. So, I'd love some insight. If anybody knows that one, you can holler at me. Let me know. DMs, messenger, put it on the wall. Don't really matter. Love, appreciate each and every one of y'all. This is Bob Dog, and I'm out. You have been listening to the Particularly Packers podcast. Please follow us on social media and please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. And as always, Go Pack Go.